SQology podcast interview with Steve Wigner. Cliff and I are on the call today with Steve Wigner as a special guest, and I think we want to review some of the events from this season that Steve participated in. He was at the Big Atlanta show this summer and then was also at the SVR show. So I know we want to get into some of those details, but before we do that, a little bit of background on Steve. I've known Steve for, what now, three years or so, Steve, maybe? Yeah, I'd say three or four years. Something like that. And I, and I originally saw you on that web forum that everybody is on. And then I met you in person, I think at finals two years ago. It was my first finals. You were there. Right. And we chatted, yep. chatted a little bit. And I know you were competing in Mazda 3 back then uh, and continued to compete that last season. Then this season, you've got a new monster vehicle you've revealed. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started in the hobby, what you've been doing, and and just give us a little bit of background? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess I I got into actual competing uh, about six years ago. I've always had a passion for audio. I'd say maybe a couple of years ago, um, I stopped playing, but I was a musician playing drums uh, in a band for a a period of time and enjoyed that. You know, as a youngster, I was uh, very big into art. And so between my position at work, which is as an engineer, just sort of all these components sort of come together in this car audio hobby uh, for me, which makes it really enjoyable. So, you know, I I like to build vehicles. I like the challenge of designing a system and uh, fabricating and tuning and, you know, scratches all those different checkboxes for me for for things that I enjoy and, and, uh, you know, yeah, I've been doing it for six years and, and certainly enjoying it. Well, it's really cool to see you so active on the internet. I mentioned, I I've seen your build logs on, on Dyma, uh, which is the web forum. A lot of people are on and, and I watch a lot of your activity in the Facebook groups and it, it's really cool that you put everything out there. You put your thought process out there, your decision-making, the reasons for your decision-making out there. And it, it's really cool to see that transparency. You know, we all we all start from a point of uh, of knowing very little to nothing about this hobby, and I think what's great about you know the social media platforms and the the forums is that we have that venue to share this knowledge with each other. And uh, you know, I, I've certainly gained quite a bit from other people being willing to share that information. And I think it's just uh, just right that we should all sort of do that in turn, so we can not only increase our own knowledge, but you know, further our understanding of acoustics in the car and and uh, our ability to to reproduce that as effectively as possible. I completely agree with that. I was going to mention that uh, as a side note, last year I know you won a coveted award from Mecca, and I, I think that was what the the Mecca Spirit Award is that the is that what they called it? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's basically a Mister Nice Guy Award. Which <laughs> you are it's, one it's, of the nicest guys in the hobby, so yeah. <laughs> I take that as a compliment. I was uh, I was honored to receive the award. Um, I know sometimes the uh, the Mecca awards are are sort of behind the scenes and don't get quite as much you know attention as the uh, as the SQ awards themselves. But there's a lot of uh, people that help keep the wheels turning in the hobby and uh, people who are you know in there day in and day out and. And helping to share knowledge and i just i think it, it's pretty cool that mecca recognizes those individuals and uh and helps to promote that aspect of the sport cliff are you there i am here 
Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Cliff. You guys are doing an excellent job, so. Well, we're going to get into the part of the interview here that I'm completely irrelevant in, and that is the, the wrap-up or the, the overview, you know, summary of what happened at the Atlanta show and the SVR show, which, for personal reasons, I was at neither. So I think you and Steve are going to kind of take over here and, and get into some of that. Well, actually, I think we can back up a little bit further than that. Uh, Steve, you were at the first Driven show as well, weren't you? In Ah, yep. Another one I wasn't at. <laughs> it, Ben's like, what's a driven? I, I think, again, like you were saying, Steve is really good at feedback, letting people know his thoughts, good, bad, which is both very important. And that was a big reason to be great to have Steve on here because uh, he's been to several of the events and also I'd like to get a lot of his just general feedback, you know, overall on what he sees as working, what is differentiating these shows from other shows and what we can do better. But with the Driven show, I mean, obviously that was a much smaller event. There's two judges versus anywhere from six to 14, like the other events. So it's much more low key. But what was your takeaway on that first event? Probably not really knowing what you were getting into at that point, Steve. Well, you know, the one thing that I liked about the show was that uh, SQology had had worked to bring in both IASCA and MECA formats into the uh, into the event, which I think is important because both of those offer a little bit of a different flavor in the uh, SQ competition scene. Um, they both look for some slightly different things in the way that they score vehicles. And although we do have some crossover, they typically have some different judges as well between the two organizations. So. That uh, that first and foremost was something that drew me to uh, wanting to compete at that show. I'm going to go ahead and dip the hand in tar. What do you think the differences are between what Mecca and Iaska are looking for? I think it, there's a couple of different key things. Um, I think if you ask the question to most people, they would probably respond that Iaska um, looks for more of a neutral sound that is true to the recording and that Mecca typically looks for more of a live reproduction type of a sound. Uh, Mecca's standard is live music and Iaska's standard is really the the uh, the recording and how true your system reproduces the recording. I can back that. I think the presentation of both reflects that as well. So yeah, I would I would agree with that as yet another explanation. And I guess the next show was the one in Atlanta at Hybrid, what was your, obviously that's a very different show, um, a very different show than most events. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a lot of uh, throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what worked and what didn't. And some things failed miserably and other things I think went okay. But what was, uh, as you know, being there, I was either at a different location or, you know, stuck behind a computer screen somewhere most of the time. So um, I didn't get a chance to really mingle with you guys much, which is one of the things I want to fix next year. What was your takeaway as a competitor during that event, you know, both days of it, Saturday and Sunday? Well, I would say that uh, there wasn't much that really didn't work about the event. In my opinion, I thought uh, everything went smoothly as far as just, you know, the competition running and timing and all that. But, uh, you know, I was I was present for the the first iteration of that event um, last season. And, uh, 
certainly a, a smaller turnout in the number of cars, but it was the first time an event like that had really happened. And uh, I think we may have had somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 cars um, this season with Esquiology involved. You know, we had 27 Iaska cars, 22 Mecca cars. And, uh, and I think that what really makes this stand out as a premier event of the season is the sheer number of judges that you get at the show. You know, typically, like you said, you might get two judges or three judges at an event. And uh, at this one, we've got several teams of judges in the vehicle. You, you know, you could have up to 12 to, to 16 judges in your car in one weekend at this combined event. And that, that type of feedback is extremely valuable um, as you approach the end of the season and finals. So, you know, my, myself attending, I, I, I certainly recommend that to, uh, you know, to anybody that can make it out to that sort of an event. Cliff, can you kind of explain the judging process for that event? I, I know I've seen there were, what, 13, 14, or whatever judges there, and I, I know that they judge in teams. Can you kind of explain how that works? Sure. So basically we had seven teams of judges at this event, plus we had, I think, one or two kind of on, like myself and Haji Grape were kind of on standby for two-seat judging. So that's where we got to 16. Essentially, there's every vehicle has two judges in it at a time. Now, they're not necessarily doing two-seat judging, but one is focusing on the spectral side of things and one is focusing on the spatial side of things. So that is one judge is focusing on tonality, linearity, those, you know, that side of thing. And the other judge is focusing on the staging the imaging, the technical aspects. They can communicate back and forth when they're, they're in the vehicle listen? It's up to the judges on how they want to do it. But the initial kind of format set forward was for one judge to do, for instance, if you and I were judging together and I did tonality and you did spatial, then you would have the score sheet and I would tell you the scores to write down as it goes. It creates some accountability. It creates some conversation. And it gives the passenger seat judge while the driver's seat judge is, is going to kind of get a feel for what's happening on, throughout the vehicle. The passenger side of the vehicle, unless it's a two-seat class, is never judged. Um, it's purely for feedback and somebody being there and working together on it. And then they swap places. So then the first judge goes into the passenger seat, passenger seat goes in the driver's seat, and then he will complete the, the spatial side of the judging and complete that. So they're really only focusing on one part of the score sheet all day or all week, which from a judging aspect, you know, I find those two things almost always tend to be a, okay, I'm going to do this part first. I'm going to do this part second. They don't, in my brain anyway, they don't tend to blend together as much as here's one aspect of it. Here's another. And it, there's always shifting gears in doing that. Um, whereas this way, theoretically the judges aren't having to shift gears they're able to go through and just go car to car to car to car based on tonality only and then car to car to car to car based on the spatial aspects only two sets of those judges so four judges were completing the mecca side of the show and then four judges the i ask side of the show and then the remaining judges were used a completely different score sheet that was a eschiology score sheet that was again kind of a completely ground up 
throw spaghetti against the wall and see what worked type of thing. But then they were using a different score sheet that was essentially other than a portion of the score sheet called listing pleasure, which basically they could write down whatever or listing enjoyment, whatever uh, score they wanted between zero and 10. It could be 9.7. It could be 8.3. Totally subjective. But, you know, how much they would want to drive this car home and how much they enjoyed the listening experience of it. And that was really the only number they marked down on that score sheet. Every other thing on that score sheet was a written description of the sound that then they could pick what fit best. There's numbers behind that. So once it's scored, then, you know, we get a number system from it. And then we can actually, we actually averaged all those together for the overall winner of the show, which there's much less emphasis on placement or winning at the show. The person who gets the best score gets a trophy from there. You get a bunch of score sheets. And that's really the biggest part of the event is getting those score sheets because it's equal to going to at least more than a few shows because you might not always get a different judge when you go to a show to show. Whereas this way, you're getting a plethora of feedback all at one time, which is really difficult to get anywhere else. So every pair of judges judged every car? Is that uh, in this year, this year, correct. So every, wow. we had 27 cars, 20, there was one car, I think that did just Iaska. Uh, so there was 26 cars that had 14 judges through them. Yes. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And I know that's a incredible preparation event for competitors to get all that feedback from multiple different judges. But when you get all of those judges together, judging the same vehicles and communicating with each other about what they heard, I think it's as much of a judge's preparation and training event as it is a preparation event for the competitors, which is really cool. I think, I think you definitely get a lot more of the judges and, you know, Steve might be able to attest to some of what he's seen throughout the year, just from a competitor standpoint, seeing just his score sheet from, you know, show to show. But I think a lot of things where there might be some confusion on or, you know, ambiguity on at very least brings him to light. If not gets, you know, the judge is kind of more cohesive on being consistent on those things. And that's where, you know, we try to break it up to where judges that normally wouldn't work together are working together at this event. So again, you know, methodologies are going on the West coast versus the East coast versus the Midwest, trying to mix all those up a little bit and get, you know, the positive aspects from everybody to kind of mix it up. Anyway, that's kind of the basis of the event. Back to some- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think another component of that is uh, not just the number of judges, but the quality of the judges as well. You know, what I've seen at these events is that you've got judges who are either current uh, finals caliber judges or or have judged finals in the past or who have been extremely high level competitors who are now judges. And I think that is also a, a big value add for a competitor that might consider going to a show like this. You know, you've got all of the the number of judges, the quality of the judges, and then you can take that feedback and look for consistent findings between these judges and really hammer away at your vehicle to to really prepare it. If you get one person telling you that you need to do something or one person giving you a bad score on something, or there are so many variables that might be involved with that and going out and changing everything in your vehicle because of one judge's valuation might work. They might be very well right, and you might be way ahead for doing it, but it's it's a risk. Whereas when you're able to get these many judges through it at once, and you're able to get three or four judges agreeing in one weekend on what 
you can do to improve, then it makes it much, much easier to, to take that progress forward. Now, when you were competing and maybe this is digging too deep, but, um, when you were competing or others that you knew were competing that you might talk to, were people changing settings between judges too much or were they kind of letting it go and see where it ends up at the end? Um, of those that I know and that I talk to regularly, we try to not make any of those changes because if you do that, then you're, you can't really rely on those consistent, um, comments on the score sheets to be accurate. You know, if you're, if you're adjusting things between your judges, especially at an event like this, you know, when, when you think about an event like finals where you've had a lot of experience perhaps with a specific judge and you know that they may hear something slightly different than you do or that another judge does. Well, then I can see that making a little bit of sense to to make an adjustment to a tune for a specific judge. And I know some competitors do that. But at an event like this, really the value is in is in keeping the tune the same and finding out what the judges are agreeing on that the system needs work. You know, when you, when you go back and you're changing things, you really just can't you can't correlate that. Um, based on the judge's feedback. So so for me specifically, no, I don't make any changes at the shows. I like to see what they have to say in common, but uh, I'm sure it happens with some competitors. I totally agree with you on that. It's too easy to get caught up in thinking that, you know, in five seconds you can figure out the the magic sauce and it rarely happens. Well, the other, uh, the other component though is that with this, with this specific event, you know, the, the goal isn't really to win the event. The goal, the goal is to get that feedback. That's why you have so many judges out there because, you know, we want the feedback. We want to be able to prepare the car to be able to win finals. And to do that, you really have to be able to rely on that critical feedback from these qualified judges. Another cool thing about these types of events where you've got so many competitors is that the competitors are all interacting and going back and forth to each other's cars and providing their own feedback on what they're hearing. And for the newer competitors, it's really cool to be able to sit in some of these cars that are are known good cars, and I say that in quotes, and kind of hear you know the differences between what's going on in these cars that score consistently highly versus what's going on in their car. And then to get their to get feedback from those competitors, conversely, in their vehicle, and you know have them sitting there and and along with the judges, tell them what they're hearing. Yeah, exactly. You know, we value the feedback from our fellow competitors as well. You know, like I said, I've been competing for five and a half, just about six years, but there's a lot of guys who have been doing it a lot longer than me and have more experience than me. And, you know, we all value getting that feedback from uh, from our colleagues and from our fellow competitors. So it's always a great opportunity for that, especially when you see the number of cars that are turning out for these events now. Shifting from that event to Steel Valley, I know there's a lot of culture difference between those two shows. Obviously, Steel Valley is much more of a, you know, I would say prestigious show that has a lot of history, has a lot of amazing vehicles that have been through that building over the years. What was what was the overall benefits you saw of Steel Valley, you know, and the outcomes there and the differences between those two events in particular? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Steel Valley show is one that I read about as a kid. I wasn't competing at the time. Um, being still relatively new to the competition scene. And like you said, there have been a lot of really renowned vehicles and competitors that have come through that uh, that particular venue. Larry Chisner did a, a fantastic job with, uh, with the show. I think we had a really nice turnout. I was actually uh, pretty surprised by the number of vehicles that turned out um, based on the, you know, the location and, and this being the first time they've done 
SVR and geez, I don't know, at least 10 years, I'd say, right? Um, as far as the how the event was run, I thought they did a terrific job. You know, you still had all the same benefits that you had at the Atlanta event. Um, I would say that this one was a little bit more of the competitive atmosphere versus the trying to gain knowledge and feedback type of atmosphere, which is which is totally fine. There was a not money round, but big prize round, as I understand it, SVR2. In addition to the IASCA Mecca Awards, they had, a, a, what, a top 30 or something? Yeah, it ended up being a top 30 uh, because of the number of vehicles that attended, which was was pretty awesome. So there's some incentive there to be a little bit more competitive to win that top 30 round, I think, Absol- than, than, than like the Georgia event. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's some trophies at that event. There's obviously the, the money round portion of the event. So, uh, you know, it's going to it's going to have people trying to step up their game and and bring the best vehicle that they can to that show. Contrasting those events, then going from you know the shows you did all year, obviously did more than just these three shows, but going through the season and then coming to finals, how did your level of preparation feel versus previous years? And how do you think those shows accurately reflected what was to come at finals as far as, do you feel like they prepared you for everything? Or was there some bits missing on either side that would help prepare you better? Well, I think they certainly helped to uh, prepare me better for finals. I mean, we had a couple of the judges who actually scored um, for finals that were there, um, the SVR show and Atlanta show, which was terrific. Um, but more than that, you know, I, I was able to take that consistent feedback on my score sheets and then go back and listen to the vehicle and, and see what it was doing and see what the judges were picking up on and uh, and go back and make those necessary changes to, to just, you know, add another point or two to the to the score sheet there at finals. And the event there was pretty amazing this season. I've been out there for finals the last three years and uh, the turnout we had this year was pretty incredible. A lot of cars, a lot of terrific cars. Just the overall level of the cars that are turning up for finals now. You know, you don't really see too many vehicles coming in that are just very poorly prepared and, and aren't doing a lot of things right. You know, this, the the performance of the cars is is getting to be so good. And I think that was reflected in a lot of the scoring with Ayaska and Mecca this season at finals. While we're talking about finals, I saw in one of the threads about the podcast uh, someone asked if we could talk about some of our favorite cars and what those systems consisted of and what made them so awesome for us personally and i i don't know if you want to get into that i know that's putting you on the spot i i know i hesitate to list my finals because i listen to so many good cars if i don't list somebody's car like it it just uh, did you have a favorite car or two that you wanted to discuss quickly yeah, I, I have no problem talking about the cars that I enjoy there. I think that's that's part of the fun of the of this hobby is getting to hear, you know, the different ways that other people are doing things in their vehicles and and how how they may sound different than your own and and how that can help to lead you in a direction to making yours more enjoyable for yourself. So, yeah, I, I'm always an open book as far as that goes. I think that some of the vehicles that really stood out to me this year, um, first off, would be uh, Steve Head's Blazer. I think he does some some things in that vehicle that are a little different than others. And of course, you know, it's significantly more modified than a lot of vehicles. So he's able to accomplish some things that 
you know, your, your, your typical Toyota Camry might not be able to do. I really enjoyed the, the presentation of his. I really enjoyed uh, Matt Hall's vehicle. His was a standout for me last season as well. The staging in his, the, the tonality, it's just a very, very well-rounded vehicle overall. And, uh, and I also really enjoyed um, Tim Smith's truck and uh, Rob Bess's Acura, which is continuing the winning tradition <laughs> and beating me as well. So he did he did really well in Iaska this year, which I, I know is kind of a new thing for him. I know they always do really, really well. When I say they, I mean Rob Bess and Robert Corwin because they're kind of very similar. I, I know they have historically done very well in Mecca, but not so well in Iaska. But this year, I think they both did really well in both organizations. Yeah, they, they've got a lot of good things going on in their vehicles, and, and that shows in their performance at these big events and finals. I think one of the, the main things, though, that I'm listening for when I get into a vehicle is, does it sound real? You know, there's plenty of things that cars can do to just not sound bad or to not do something wrong. But when you get in a vehicle and the, and the, the cabin sort of disappears and you're listening to the music and it just has a, a real quality to it, that's something special. And I think that those vehicles that I named were really ones that stood out as being able to to make the dimensions of the vehicle sort of disappear and just and just have a really nice real quality to them i totally agree with you on uh, based on what i heard in all those cars i didn't hear any cars you were stuck in a room where you belong so <laughs> you, you were working the uh, the calculator this year so <laughs> so they, they were all great yeah of course they were <laughs> so another thing we kind of put up on the threads about the podcast a while back is a phone number that we set up for SQology. So if you've got questions, you've got comments, you've got feedback, or if you just want to be funny, you call this phone number and you leave a voicemail. That phone number is 575-347-1380. And I don't know if we've got time in this podcast to play any of the messages that we've received so far. I, I don't know if Cliff was prepared for that or not, but I do know that we have some messages and if we don't get to them this time, we're definitely going to play those very soon. So call that number again. It's 575-347-1380 and leave us a voicemail. We can definitely do that next time and hopefully maybe uh, we'll get a call or two in between now and then and, and be able to do that. Steve, is there anything from your end before we wrap up that you have on your head that you would like to throw out there or discuss or anything? Um, just the uh, the Esquology season points thing. I know you guys had gone over that in the last um, podcast, which was great. I thought it was nice to have the modest uh, presentation there at finals, but uh, just another reason for people to get out there to the Esquology events. You know, there were some pretty awesome prizes given out this year, which were definitely appreciated. Awesome. And you were what? Third overall, second overall? Uh, I came in uh, second place in the points totals right. this year. Congrats. Awesome. That's awesome, Steve. Right, thank you. You're super, like like I said, I, I wanted to get you on this podcast. I know Cliff did too, because you were at so many of our events, but also because you're so active online. And I know a lot of people follow you and respect you and 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 they trust your advice and things that you have to say. So it's nice to get people like you on here and and kind of get your thoughts on everything. So thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, I enjoy the podcast uh, program, and thanks for having me on, guys. Yes, sir. And we'll talk soon. Hopefully, have you back on here to discuss some other stuff that might be a little more controversial. <laughs> All <laughs> right, good guys. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. See you Thank soon. You. Bye, right, bye. Hello, 
I would like to call and tell you about your podcast. It's so very nice. I have listened to it many times. Your recent call with I enjoy this very much, but I think you have made him in in a different light where I don't think you are very nice to him. Uh, he he has very many good ideas, and you tell him that uh, you uh, very much uh, don't appreciate his uh, skill set uh, for this car audio. Uh, very much, uh, I appreciate the callback. I would like to tell you more about my uh, concerns about the, the the place you put him in in the, in the light of his uh, ego. Uh, please call me back. My number is a. Thank you very much.